this morning, I got a question for you. I don't know how many of you have watched television shows. I mean, we have, um, we have some grandkids that have come to visit us recently, and so we've been watching a lot of different younger shows. But it reminded me how often of so many of our television shows that, that we, or movies that we've watched, there's, you know, where there's uh, young kids involved or whatever takes us back to high school. Um, you know, the jocks, the charismatic people, those that are, have the, the big personalities, the beautiful people, the people that are, you know, create this sense of awe in the school, and how those individuals walk around. Have you noticed that, how they walk around? And uh, they're, they're really, how, else to, how, how to say it nicely, they're full of themselves, maybe is the easiest way. And, and you probably could think of a few movies that, are, that, are, that fill those kinds of roles or television shows you've watched. And our, we, our grandkids were over, and so we, we watched, one of them wanted, wanted us to watch the High School Musical series. So you guys all know High School Musical 1, 2, and 3? Well, we watched all three of those. And, uh, got it, and it tells a story about, you know, these kids in high school. And, and one of the ones that I kind of thought about was Sharpay Evans, who was the, the blonde, beautiful one who had all the right gifts and abilities and talents, could dance and sing and all that kind of stuff. And, and yet it was never like she could never get enough attention on herself. And uh, she was always trying to, to, to take over the, the, the stage, literally, and uh, try to influence everybody to look to her to be the leader, to be the one that everyone was looking for. And of course, as we know, all three, all three movies, she failed in her attempt to become front stage and stay center stage. And so, you know, that, that, but so many people in our life or in our world are that way, aren't they? They're, they're very gifted, very talented, and they want to be front and center all the time. I don't know if your high school was like that. Um, you know, my high school, my high school was kind of weird in the sense that I grew up in Fort McMurray, and so because of the the incredible growth of the community, there wasn't this stable population of people that could take control of the school and be the end-all, be-all in school. At least I don't remember them being that way. Um, I jokingly talk about how, how fast our school grew or how fast the town grew in the sense when I was in grade 1, grades 1 to 12 were in one school, one building. By the time I got to grade 10, there was three separate schools. The, the school that I was in that was only was grades 1 to 12 when I was in grade 1, was, by the time I got to grade 10, was only a junior high school. By the time I graduated, or my graduating class was some 250 students, grade 12. And um, because the schools grow so fast, we were on shift at different times in my, in my growing, going through schools because they couldn't build schools fast enough for us. It was just utter chaos. So I, in our school, there wasn't really that group of people that sort of rose to the top because they never had a chance to because there was always new people coming in and people were leaving. And so there was this constant growth. And so nobody could really stabilize and gain control with an iron fist and rule the school. At least I don't remember them anyways. It wasn't me. I'll just say that. Um, my wife, however, went to, went to a Christian high school, and one of the members of her class, who she got to know pretty well, um, who was very charismatic and very influential in the school and could sing and all that kind of stuff, um, upon graduation, he went off and got married and was leading a, um, a, in, a, in, a, 
in a worship church, in a church service and so on a few years after that. And then he got caught trying to steal one and a half, over one and a half million dollars. A young guy who grew up in a church, went to a Christian school, but in the end tried to get away with stealing a lot of money. Very gifted individual. We can all think of movie stars or politicians who fit that same bill, right? Who, who are the most popular, who do all the right things, they have all the right answers, and then they make some kind of crazy mistake. Recently, there was the one that was televised on television where uh, some comedian was making a fun joke about another gentleman's wife, and the gentleman got up, walked up to the stage, and we probably all know who it is, and smacked the guy across the face, right? And that cost him big time. I, sure, he was honoring his wife, probably didn't need to, to smack the guy, but, you know, you know still... He, he, was, he was trying to look out for his wife, and in the process, that statement, that moment of lapse in his character, cost him big time in so many different ways in life. We could think of individuals, politicians. We could think of Christians, pastors, even Christian leaders who, who, were, who are incredibly gifted, incredibly talented, and yet they tried to control the narrative of their lives and they tried to control the dark side of their lives and the deep, dark secrets that they have. And guess what? It literally blew their opportunity to serve God and to serve the church right up. We can think of probably dozens of people that fall, that, fall into that category, both Christians and non-Christians. Nobody's immune from it. Nobody's immune from it because all of us are gifted in different ways. And sometimes God redeems them, and sometimes they don't. It depends on how they deal with them. I can think of one pastor who blew up his own marriage and had an affair, and yet he owned it in, a, in the most incredible way, deep, deep way, and God continued to use him. And we actually invited him to come and speak at our pastor's retreat a number of years ago. And, and, uh, and it was amazing to hear his story, how him and his wife, how they, how they made their marriage work after he blew it up. And so, it, and, it, and it wasn't like he went back to what he was before. He knew what he had made was wrong, and yet God allowed him to minister and serve in a very powerful way. And so many times, those people that are the most gifted individuals, they rely on their giftedness alone to be the influence and to be the impact in the world around them. Isn't that true? Those people that are the most gifted, they're going, man, I have it all. It's the Sharpay Evans image, you know, I have it all and I want more. And it doesn't matter what I do or who I step on to get there, it's about me. But we all see through those kinds of people. We see them and we're going, eh, they're not as, they may be as gifted as they are, but we, we lose all respect for them. In so many different ways. As individuals, we know this that the best leaders, when we're looking for the best leaders, it's not just looking for those that are the most gifted. Gifting is important, but it isn't everything. There are other factors that, that come into play. A couple of Sundays ago, we talked about the gifts that God gives us. Everyone. Everyone. God, if a, a, as a follower of Jesus, God imparts into you a very special and unique gift. And it looks differently in everybody. 
Every gift is a little different. Book of Ephesians chapter 4, Paul talks about five gifts, the fivefold gifts of the church that he gives, that Jesus gives the church. The gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. A prophet, an apostle is basically somebody who's a pioneering and a founder, who, a person who has, um, is innovative, who's maybe organized in, in most in, incredible ways and can lead organizations and new ventures. For the kingdom of God, that person is a prophet, and it looks different in everybody. If different people have this gift, it looks differently because we only think of the the twelve apostles or the, you know, you know, including Paul. But apostles can look quite different. Then there's the prophet, and we think of the prophet as the one who always tells the future. But the prophet is those who push the limits and and they see our culture and they see the failings of people and they see and. God allows them to see into people's lives, not to judge them and condemn them, but to come alongside and encourage them towards godliness. And they, they see through a different type of lens. They have a heart for people and a heart for God, and they connect the two together. Then there's the evangelist, and the, these are the ones, the ones who mobilize and call others and who rally and inspire others towards God and His purposes. And often... They're the ones that can come alongside somebody who doesn't know Jesus and say, hey, they have this just way, this unassuming way of mannerisms of, of, of reaching out to people and, and sharing Jesus with them. And they come to know Jesus. Then there's the shepherd. And we can all think of people that are shepherds. They're the easiest one, one of the easier ones to kind of identify because they're the ones that, that love on people. And they care for people, and they, they come alongside, and they're encouraging, and they, they're sympathetic, and they have, you know, mercy, and those kinds of other things that kind of come out of their lives. Those are people that have the gift of shepherding. And we love shepherds. Don't we love shepherds who come along and just kind of encourage us and make, give us, send us a, a really nice text message or write a little note to us or whatever, encourage us? Or for guys, it's a slap on the back sometimes, you know? You know, guys see shepherding is a little different than for ladies but you know i mean that's that way we all connect right we know those people that come alongside and just encourage us and then lastly there's the teacher those who communicate communicate truth and hope in such a way that draws people into a deeper understanding of who god is and we saw two weeks ago that how when all of those gifts are operating in the church together it's amazing it's like the presence of Jesus just falls. Why? Because Jesus operated in all five of those areas. He operated as an apostle. He operated as a prophet. He operated as an evangelist. He definitely was a shepherd, and he also was a teacher. And so when, when the church is operating in those five-fold areas, it's like the presence of Jesus just fills the place. When, 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 there's, when there's connectivity and when they're connected to one another and when they're working together in synergy and in harmony with one another and one isn't exalting themselves over, the, over and above the rest of the gifts, it's amazing to see what hap- how God shows up in the church. God gives each of us one of those gifts because he wants us to be part of the body in that way of encouraging and helping and supporting and and making his presence known in our church. But it's not only gifting that makes things happen. If we look at the Corinthian church, they had all the gifts. They had amazing gifts, supernatural. God was using them supernaturally. And yet we see the church was so messed up in some areas. 
In chapter 3 in 1 Corinthians, um, Paul calls them, you guys are like mere infants. You're babies. In chapter 5, he asks the church, he says, why are you guys putting up with incest? And yet this was a church that was supernaturally empowered with incredible gifts, yet was messed up. So gifting, as important as it is, it's not the end-all, be-all. And we've just, we all know that. It's not just about the, 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 the most gifted individual is the one that we look to that has the biggest impact on our lives. One of the other ways that God calls us, uses, or the other factors that we need to consider is calling. In other words, how does God want us to use our gifts? In what areas? And that's kind of, I'm going to focus on this one on calling, and there's one more factor we're going to look at. You see, it's not just that God gifts us, but that God calls us as well to certain purposes. We see that in the life of Elijah, who was incredibly gifted. But God then told him, you need to appoint Elisha as, your pre, as the one who will follow you, as the one who will be your successor. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it says there, it says, while, while the church was gathered, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. In other words, God says, I have specific purposes for both Barnabas and Saul. Very specific purpose. He called them to something. And God calls each of us to use our gifts in a very special way. To serve in certain areas. I was talking to somebody this morning and they were saying, yeah, they got asked, invited to, to be a part of another part of service and ministry in, in SEAC. And they were trying to figure out, is that something God wants them to do? Because we need to know that that's where God wants us to do. We can't just serve out of obligation. We have to serve because God's gifted us and God is calling us to serve in that way. When I've sat on many interview committees of, of new pastors. And one of the big questions we always ask them is, tell us about your calling. How do you know God wants you to be a pastor? And it's interesting to hear the stories. On a rare occasion, they're going, well, I don't know. I've not really thought about it. just something I wanted to do. And we often push in on that because if they're not called to be a pastor, don't be a pastor. Doesn't matter how honorable the role is. If you don't sense God's calling you to do it, don't do it. Our oldest son, um, we have his, his youngest son here this morning, our grandson that's with us today. And, and our oldest son, went to, when he went to a year of Bible school and was in his first year, and he, I had to have a conversation with him one day because life around the house was not so great. And I asked him, I said, so why are you being such a, not a great brother to your siblings, and why are you not being so nice to your mom and I? And he goes, well, I don't know. I says, well, what are you, what are you sensing God's telling you to do? Well, I'm, I'm going off to Bible school so I can be a pastor. And I said, do you think God wants you to be a pastor? Well, no, but you guys do. And so we had a long conversation. I said, no, you have to know that God's calling you. Don't be a pastor because I, wanted to, I want you. Don't think I want you to be a pastor. I don't want you to be a pastor. I want you to be whatever God wants you to be. And so he finished out the semester and then went into the area that he is a phenomenal at. He is a very gifted individual, a very gifted leader whom God is calling. And even this weekend, he's down in the States God's using him in a very unique way down there, serving in, in Austin, Texas this weekend. 
And that was something that he didn't even have on his radar because he never finished out his Bible school. He's actually in construction, a very gifted contractor, manager, project manager, and so on. And yet God is using him in multiple ways in these days because God is calling him, not in the ways that we normally think of calling. You see, God is the one who initiates. Saul, King Saul didn't want to be a king. David didn't want to be a king. They didn't want to be kings. So many of the prophets never wanted to be a prophet. Gideon never wanted to be the leader. Moses didn't want to lead the people out of Israel. But God called them. And that's key. Calling is one of the most important things that we need to, we need to understand. It's not just gifting, but it's also calling. God often calls people that are, are, are reluctant. A couple of months ago in May, we, had, uh, we started these small groups that, that Jenny talked about. And uh, we started a few of them. And we had this kind of way that we started, launched our small groups and who we picked as leaders. And most of the people that were picked were going... I'm not sure I really want to be a leader, but everybody else saw something significant in their life that they said, yes, you should be the leader. And we're seeing some amazing things happen because God is now using them in this way, in a very unique way in, an, in, in, a, in, a new under, in, in these days. So that, that's exciting to see. Most people are often surprised when God calls them, and that's okay because in that moment when you don't think that you have it within you, that allows God to fill you and use you in a way that, you, that, that only He can get the glory for. So there's gifting and there's character. Or sorry, gifting and calling. The third one is character that we want to talk about. And character is the real you. I mean, we can put on a, a pretty good facade. We can tell people, yeah, God's called me. You know, we can put on a pretty good show, especially when we're very gifted. We can look the part. But really, it's the character that's deep inside of us that's really important. That's the real you. Who is the real you? Does your character align with your calling and your gifting? You see, that's what God's concerned about, is who we are as people. We see that in the life of King Saul, who started out with an incredibly humble spirit. He was very humble. He didn't want to be king, but God says, no, you're the man. But, God, but, but Saul didn't allow his character to continue to develop and change. Instead, he became incredibly insecure against even his own son, and then later David, who, took, who God eventually had to raise up because Saul, just his character was floundering. He... He made life about himself. He did not get over, excuse me, he did not get over his insecurities. And it cost him big time. It cost him the throne. Eventually Saul lost out because of his own security, insecurities. We see that so many times when, when people serve, when they allow their own securities to get in the way, it costs them. So many different ways. When we try to control the narrative, when we try to control our lives and try and keep our, our weaknesses from being revealed, God doesn't, God doesn't care. He, he wants our weaknesses to be revealed so that He can demonstrate His power in us to change us and to make us the kind of men and women He wants us to be. 
We all love those people that are transparent, don't we? That are open and honest about their life, about their weaknesses, about their failings, about the times they've stumbled and fa fallen, the times they've messed up and they've made mistakes. When we own that, God loves us. You see, why? Because we sang about that song, God's a good, good father. And that whole aspect, that whole song is about that fact that God loves us regardless of whether we've messed up or whether we're perfect. He loves us just as we are. Does he want us to change us? Yes. And he gives us that power. He gives us his spirit to help change us from the inside. But God said, that's the point. I want to change you. But you have to be real. You have to be open. You have to be honest. In, in the book of Timothy, we see there how Paul um, talks to Timothy and challenges him in regard to the church about character of, of those that are to be the leaders. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul says this in verse 1. He says, Here is a trustworthy saying, Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. An overseer is like an elder of the church or a person who's in charge of the church. They desire a noble task. Now the overseer or the elder is to, is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. In other words, his character is to be, there, there's, there's to be depth to his character, to his character. And so Paul is challenging Timothy, not just to choose the gifted or the called, but those with true character. In verse 10, he goes on to say this. He says, they must first be tested. And then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. Or let them serve in the church. That's right, we need to test them. It's not just, we can't put somebody on stage because they're gifted. We can't put somebody just behind a microphone because they're, they're great singers. They need to be tested because their character... I mean, we all know what happens when somebody who, who's very gifted stands on any kind of a stage, as a politician or whatever, but whose character does not align with what they're saying. We're going, we just tune them out. I don't want to listen to them. I don't care about them. And it isn't just men that are called to, to be tested. First, in, in, and then in verse 11 of 1 Timothy 3, Paul says this, In the same way women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. In other words, the character is same goes for them. It's not just men whose character need to be tested. It's women's, women in leadership. They need to be tested as well. Because character and integrity is the game when it comes to the extent of our influence of, of our lives. People don't care how gifted we are or talented we are if, what, if our lives don't line up with that. C.S. Lewis says this about integrity. He says, integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is looking. That's character. That's integrity. When no one is around, what you do, what you think, that's who you are. And that's what God's concerned about because he's concerned about you because God loves you. He loves you enough not to leave you where you are, but he wants to change you and he wants to help you grow. He wants you to be a, a man, a woman of an incredible integrity that when you speak, when you act, when you serve out of your gifting, 
There's nothing that's going to hinder you in your relationship with God. David says this in Psalm 25, verse 21, about, about integrity. He says, may integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope, Lord, is in you. Our protection, our hope, comes out of our, out of our integrity, comes out of our very character, comes out of the depths of the recesses of our own, of our own lives. And it's not based on what others think of us. It's based on how God views us and how, how open and transparent we are with God. Are we living transparent lives? Are we honest with ourselves? Because we can often get caught up in trying to um, look good in front of people. Be the best version of what we are for other people, regardless of what's going on inside of us. Do we have skeletons that would sink us if people knew? I, you know, my skeletons, I've told lots of people my own skeletons. I've preached some of them from this platform. I've preached them from other congregations. And, and a few years ago, I had to get to the place where I realized that I could not have any skeletons in my closet if I wanted to be a pastor. Am I perfect? No. I still make mistakes. But I have sought to open up my life and allow it to be as incredibly transparent as I can because that is, that's how God calls me to live. God calls us that way because then nobody can hold anything over you. There's nothing anybody can hold against you. There's at least half a dozen people that know my deepest, darkest secrets that I've ever, my, my, my worst mess-ups in my life. There's people that know that about me. And if you were to confront me and ask me about them, yeah, I'd tell you, yeah, I did that. Some of them I just don't tell you because I'm not sure how you'd handle them. Because sometimes we still face that, and I, I, I'm okay with it. I'm not sure how you would handle it. Let's put it that way. God's not asking for perfection. But he is asking for humility and transparency with our own character. All the knowledge or, or the position or power in the world does not keep someone from, at, from making a huge mistake. Position, power, ability, calling, gifting, those disappear in a poof of smoke when a person's character does not stand up under the test. Doesn't it? Character is best tested when we combine it with calling and gifting. When you work your character and the calling and your gifting together, that's when the testing of your character really comes into play. Don't wait to have all your ducks lined up before you start serving God or start doing the things God calls you to do because that's how God will develop your character. Slowly, piece by piece, when you're tested, as I've said before, when I look back at my, my first ministry as a church, there's some, I made some pretty huge blunders as a, as a young pastor. Well, even as an older pastor, I've made some pretty bad mistakes. But, but you know what? That's okay because God still loves us. God still loves me. And when I owned them and admitted to them, God then can continue to use me. Sometimes people have forgiven me. Sometimes people haven't. But I've done my part. 
These three things, gifting, calling, and character, are like three legs of a stool. Now, you know, not too many of our chairs have three legs. When we were first married, uh, my wife bought this amazing dinette set. And uh, the chairs, however, had three legs. One in the front, it was kind of triangular shaped, and two at the back. And um, they looked really cool. They fit really, they were kind of modern at that time. They were used, a used set she found. She's smiling because she remembers. But shortly after, we, after we, we got this set, we realized that the three-legged chairs, as awesome as it looked and as a great a deal as she got, they weren't that practical because they were always tipping this way or that way. And uh, we ended up having to get four-legged chairs. But having said that, these three things, these three things that we're talking about here, when they are working perfectly in balance, in tension, they create an incredible strength. If you think about a triangle, a triangle is one of the most, is one of the most solid objects. It's hard to crush a triangle because of the rigidity and because of the shape of it. But pull one of those pieces off and it collapses. Especially if you pull character out of the equation. Everything collapses very quickly. But when they're all working together in balance, then it's, it's amazing how strong that can... the extent and the, the impact our gifts can have in our world. So I want to go back to the question I posted a couple of weeks ago. Do you know the gifts that God has given you? What gifts has God given you? And, of course, the big question is, are you using them? If you don't know, ask Him. Ask God. Ask Him. You may, may need to take a couple of days you may not know what it is right away. You may need to look and, and say, okay, God, what kind of gifts, what strengths do I have? What gifts might I have? Ask some of your friends, your family members about what gifts they see in you. But we need to step out in faith and start exercising and using our gifts. And then the next question is, what does God want you to do with those gifts? It's amazing to have this... Um, most amazing gift that we have. But if we just set it there and going, wow, what a gift. Don't ever use it. What good is the gift? And we may think, wow, it's, it's, too, it's too nice. It's too pretty. It's too amazing. I, I can't use it. No, God says, I give it to you because I want you to use it. That's why it's there. What's an article of clothing that's amazing? If you don't ever put it on. Or a car that is the most amazing car if you never drive it. Gifts are meant to be used. So where are you using, how is God calling you to use your gifts? Where does God want you to use it? And the last one, does, does your character allow us the ability to serve? In other words, does our character align with the very character and the hope of what God wants us to, to, who God wants us to be? And that's important. And, that, and I can't answer that question for you. You have to answer that question. It's a conversation you and God have to have. And you have to ask him, God, where in my character, 
Where in my life are you calling me to change? What do you want me to change? How do you want me to change? How can you empower me to change? Because I want to be the best version of who you created me to be. No one else can be the best version of you. Only you can. And when God gives you gifts and calling, he will also give you the character to fulfill his purposes that he wants. And when we do that, life will be so enriched for us because we are fulfilling who God called us to be. We're fulfilling the very, the very depths of our soul. There will be a sense of peace and hope and encouragement when we're doing what God calls us to be and who God called us to be. You see, God is at work in our world. Our world is so messed up. There's so much hopelessness, so much fear, so much anger, so much bitterness, so much rejection by, by, on so many different levels. And to be honest, we at the church have often been at the center of some of those things. Oh, God, have mercy on us that we might change our hearts, that we might be far more compassionate, and that we might be more part of the solution than that we are part of the problem. And guess what? He's inviting us to step in and be part of it. Because he's giving us gifts, he's calling us, and he wants to allow our character to all work together so that together as one group of people, as one village, which Jenny talked about, that we become our own village, one group of people, as one body, one church, we can fulfill all that God wants us to do when we seek him and honor him and and, and, uh, invite him in. Let's pray together. Lord, you've gifted us. You love us. You love us more than we love ourselves. You care about us more than we care about ourselves. You see us as a good, good father. And God, you invite us to to step out in faith, having given us gifts, and begin speaking into our soul about how you want those gifts to be exercised. God, may you, you do that in our hearts. May you give us that ability to to trust you, to believe you, to honor you, to step out in faith, and to be obedient to you. But not only in our giftings and our callings, God, may our inner being, may our very depths of our soul, may our character align with what you've called us to do as well. So Holy Spirit, come, change us, give us all that we need, so that we may step out in faith and follow you and, and be of a significant impact in our world in loving people and caring for people and, calling, and carrying out the calling to which you've called us to be a part of. God, we are yours. Speak to us now. Speak to us today. Speak to us tomorrow morning when, the, when we're in our quiet time, when we're spending time alone with you, listening for your voice. God, speak to us. Because, God, we need you, desperately need you, to do the impossible in us and through us so that you might receive even greater glory. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name.